My fellow plebs, River is setting a new standard in Bitcoin. At river.com, you'll pay zero fees when you dollar cost average. Truly the best way to build your Bitcoin wallet. All Bitcoin at River is held in secure cold storage with 100% full reserves. There's no need to wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin to withdraw at any time. Additionally, River lets you make Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network, offers a Lightning integration for developers, and allows you to mine Bitcoin directly to your River account. River has a level of service that is unheard of in this industry, including phone support, private client advisors, and the ability to designate beneficiaries to inherit your Bitcoin wealth. River has become the premium name in Bitcoin that anyone can easily access. Sure, you have a place to buy Bitcoin, but have you tried River? See and feel the difference at River.com and the River iOS app, the preferred partner of Bitcoin Magazine. My fellow plebs, today's podcast is also brought to you by Moon Mortgage. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your assets into real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investments in owner-occupied property. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will also be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.com today to register and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. Hello, hello. I'm using the non-Bluetooth Apple headphones exclusively now, and I, I don't know how great the mic quality truly is. Well, Happy Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. I'm very excited to – I mean, I think the thing with film production, I've, I've learned you, you – it's there's – a, there's a saying that it's – a project is born three times, one in the writing process, one the pre-production, once again in the production process, and then again in the editing process. And there's oftentimes there's a lot of gap between the two. It's not always, oh, we, we have this idea, we're going to write it, and then we're going to make it immediately, and then we're going to edit it immediately. And there's for whatever reasons, you know, there's, there's things that come. So it's been sad, I guess. It's been a little bit of a, of a while since we filmed these episodes. So it's really exciting to feel like, once again, the rebirth of the show. And I think, you know, the timing of everything is, is interesting too. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting kind of to see even what unfolds in the next six weeks. We plan to be releasing one episode each Wednesday at noon central time starting tomorrow, February 1st. So by mid-March, where are we going to be at in the world? What's going to be happening? I'll say one thing and then, you know, we can kind of go back questions or I can kind of talk about some different highlights of the making of the show. But big picture, you know, I was in film and television in, I, I say legacy, but only when I'm talking to Bitcoiners because no one else no one else gets that but you know traditional mainstream film and television for 
my career. That was what I was doing before I started working in Bitcoin. And it was very clear that there was, whether or not, you know, the agenda was clearly explained for each project, but there's always a theme and there's always a message. There's no TV show that exists. There's no commercial that exists that doesn't have a message. That's why, you know, we're telling stories, we're marketing. So with a commercial, it's trying to get you to sell it, get you to buy the thing. So they're selling you, they're, they're selling you a, a lie, whether you'll be happier if you have this or, you know, you're not enough without it, whatever the angle is. But at a certain point there, I was very stable in my career and I was working on really great jobs. They paid well. It was very fun creatively, but I didn't believe in any of the messages of what I was doing. And I so deeply the best thing about working in Bitcoin is that you are working with people that believe that what they're doing matters and that gives a certain sense of purpose. I know that a lot of us, I mean, it's a new, it's a teenage industry. So there's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of figuring out how this is going to work. And there's iterations and developments and technologies that are just wildly, wildly rapidly progressing. But Working at Bitcoin Magazine, I just hit my one year last week, which has been, it's wild to think I've, this is actually the longest I've ever had a full-time job, which is funny. I was always a project-based, so I would do movie, commercial, music video, short film, whatever. I did six movies one year, but I, I was definitely full-time hourly, but I never was consistent at, at a company because it's hard to align or it was hard for me. I won't speak for everyone, but aligning with the vision of a company, aligning with what they are trying to do and putting your name, your reputation, who you are and realizing that you're putting your, your life, your hours, you're working towards something. And if you're not on mission and on vision with the company that you're working at, for me, it was hard to put in those 18 hour, 20 hour days, which is very standard in the film industry. So coming to Bitcoin magazine and getting to really start building out studios. And I know that's kind of, we're, we're, we're just making it a thing by using it. So I will, I will say it is a new entity. It's been a new kind of branch within Bitcoin magazine to do original content with a high production value but do instead of typical, I would say, made for YouTube style to really elevate and, and make, make more content that is shareable with your normie friends. And I still have normie friends. I still have some film friends even. Not that many. Most of them have, have forgotten me or forgotten they knew me. But I would say that this is a series that a lot of the intention behind this has been to create easily shareable stories to help people understand an angle of why Bitcoin matters and why Bitcoin is important. And anytime I'm talking to someone that doesn't maybe know very much about Bitcoin, I always try to figure out what are their incentives? What are their motives? What do they value? Do they value 
freedom? Do they value independence? Do they value their family? Do they value, you know, are they, are they a libertarian? Are they wanting freedom of religion or, or everyone has something that they care about. And if you can figure that out, you can pretty much figure out how you can tell them why Bitcoin helps that. And in a lot of my conversations, I, I find myself talking to a lot of older, more gold bug, you know, parenty type of people. I love them, but they <laughs> hard sells, hard sells on Bitcoin. And a lot of them will say, yeah, I don't see why I would need that. I don't think that this would make a difference for my life. And I actually typically agree with them. You know, maybe they're driving Uber. I talked to a lot of Uber drivers. Maybe they're driving Uber in their retirement. They don't, they're really not in the maybe ideal time zone, not time zone, time horizon for Bitcoin to maybe be useful in a daily way for them in their life, but building, you know, legacy for their family and, and investments to be able to pass on to future generations. Maybe they care a little bit, but more than anything, gold makes sense to them. But I love to challenge them. Well, what about the people that gold isn't practical for? And this show we had the opportunity to sit down. We did six different interviews and Roya Maboob, who is going to be next week's episode, she is doing incredible work helping women not only, you know, open, <laughs> be able to custody Bitcoin themselves because there's, there's countries in 2023 where it is illegal as a woman to, you, you cannot open a bank account without the permission of your family or, you know, your parents or your husband, a lot of that also means you can't have a job. You can't earn your own income as well. So Bitcoin is permissionless. One of the, the really beautiful tools that you don't have to leave your home for. You don't have to get an approval to be able to custody your own Bitcoin and also be able to earn Bitcoin and not risk a governmental, you know, <laughs> threat. So obviously there's still privacy issues within that. And I think that's another thing that's that's very important to be able to teach someone to custody safely and discreetly. And I I really think these stories, these episodes, they really help give a entry point for okay, yeah, you don't need Bitcoin. You're, you've got gold. You're good. Well, what about the people that, you know, can't leave their country with gold and diamonds or they're taking, you know, teeth out of their mouth to hide diamonds in so that they can have some seed money for their new life? There, there is a, a self-centric, I think, in America and, and any kind of first world country that if we have financial stability or perceived financial stability, there is kind of a, wow, that's, that's, that's cool if you want to do it as a hobby, but that doesn't change lives. But it really does. It really does actually have the ability to be life or death. So I'm pausing. That was my, my rant of I work in film and then now I finally get to make a show that matters. Unless you have any objections, Spencer, I'm going to keep just kind of going into the making of. I, yeah, we good? 
Yep, go right cool. ahead. Really enjoying this. So the Oslo Freedom Forum, most years, except for COVID, it was in it was in Florida, but most years is in no- Oslo, Norway, hosted by the Human Rights Foundation. And Alex Gladstein has, I, I know a lot of you probably are familiar, has done a lot of work to kind of bring Bitcoin into that I am sure working with other people too, but bringing Bitcoin into this human rights conversation. And Matt O'Dell described it. And I mean, it was, it made so much sense to me and I'm quoting him on these numbers, but he's like, yeah, the Oslo Freedom Forum is like 80% human rights activism and maybe 20% financial freedom, financial activism of, of, you know, kind of how that's a part of it. But of that financial activism, about 80% of it, of the content of the speakers are talking about Bitcoin. So it's that 80-20, 80 So 20% being financial, but 80% of the 20% being really that Bitcoin is a freedom tool. And talking to people really from all over the world that are, are seeing the use case for Bitcoin and the, there's an episode that we filmed with Johar. I, I, I really try to pronounce, but her name, I can spell it, J-E-W-H-E-R-I-L-H-A-M, Ilham. She, and you can watch the different talks that they did at the Oslo Freedom Wars as well. The, they're up on the HRF website or YouTube. She has this amazing... I mean, really incredible, powerful, moving story. But her dad was a Uyghur rights activist and is in prison for life. And they will never, I mean, unless something happens, we'll never see him again. And when she was talking about China, it really hit me in a new way that (laughs) freedom of thought is something that I didn't, I didn't really think about how Bitcoin does require freedom of thought. You have to at least be able to be, you know, alone in a room to at least have some sense of privacy that you can have a wallet with keys that you are the one that knows that you aren't surveilled, that everything isn't before it's encrypted, you know, (laughs) scanned and uploaded on your phone. And the reality of what it happens in China is very sobering. And I would say that interview was, it was really powerful. It was really intense, but it was really, it was really tough because it was kind of, oh, I've just found a place where Bitcoin can't fix that because you can't bring Bitcoin in to that problem. The surveillance state is too prohibitive. So warning, you know, bring your bring your tissues for that episode. But of these six episodes, we have a couple Bitcoiners and a couple human rights activists. And we're talking about how they define freedom, what freedom means to them. And then if Bitcoin or how Bitcoin is a tool for freedom and also what is necessary for freedom. And it, it's been, I would say, some of these episodes are going to be really resonating much more with an already Bitcoiner audience that probably will agree with most things said. 
And our first episode, the one coming out tomorrow, is with Gigi, with their Gigi. And it's probably, to be honest, a little bit of a tough barrier to entry for a pre-corner because, uh, spoiler, not spoiler, this is like a sneak peek. Gigi is wearing a pillowcase in this episode because he did not have his green suit. So it's a it's a unique look, but I do think... If people don't understand, you know, Gigi has built a, a lot of his, you know, his his messaging has been very consistent and he has talked a lot about privacy and our de- digital footprint and how we can be very conscientious. And one of the ways that he protects himself and his own is, you know, wearing a green suit when he speaks at conferences and if people don't understand, you know, the, I'm I'm thinking about my normie friends that have, you know, Facebook and Instagram and don't really understand the amount of power that we give when we are sharing our location, our face, everything about us kind of freely without being asked. And then we put a Google home or, or whatever in our, in our actual inner sanctuary, in our home, we pay for a device that then has a microphone to listen to us. If, if people haven't kind of connected any of those dots on privacy, I think watching a guy with sunglasses, a hat and a pillowcase over his head might be a little bit of a hard sell, but we do open this series with him because he is really lays the fundamental foundations of freedom and how, how, not how it's right, but how, it can be affected when we lose, when, when the government oversteps. And it's a very, it's a good beginning. I will say maybe not the one you send to your normie friends. Maybe you send the next week's episode. We might make a couple different playlists on our YouTube channel. So we'll be scheduling them for premiere noon central time. Wednesdays and they will go on our Bitcoin Magazine YouTube channel. There is a playlist of Bitcoin Magazine Studios. So you can, they'll all be kind of collected in there. The trailer is in there as well right now. Matt will not be able to join today. He is in a, in an airplane somewhere, somewhere in the sky, but I will hopefully we'll be able to kind of do somewhat of a debrief or not book club necessarily, but some Q&A with different speakers as we kind of go throughout. And then maybe we'll be able to rally a roundtable or something at the end of, of the series. But I would say thinking about the conversations and if you even wanted to watch this with a, a pre-coiner friend or if you want to screen it first, totally cool as well. But it will be somewhere between, I'd say, 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. Each episode is going to be a little bit different in length. They're not edited. It's, I mean, they're edited in the sense that it's not full, completely unclipped, but it is the full conversation and worked with Cinemuk, who is tagged a couple times. He is a really talented filmmaker that I've been able to film with in a few different countries. He was the one who filmed the Bitcoiners Guide to the episode with Pub Music that came out a little while ago. So that was my 30,000 foot view. I am remembering that we have a very special promo code 
just for like the friends, the people that are listening, not for posting or tweeting it out or it will be deactivated if it does. But we have a 21% off Bitcoin 2023 conference ticket promo code and I'm allowed to share it verbally. So it is freedom with a money sign. So you heard it here first. If there is anyone that you are trying to kind of bring into, I, I, I'm, I'm stopped joking about Bitcoin being a cult because <laughs> it, it really, it really kind of freaks some people out and they really already think that. So I try not to reinforce that for them. But if you're, if there's anyone that you really think Bitcoin could be, you know, something that would help them have a little bit more purpose or, or vision or what I've talked with a lot of Bitcoiners about this past week is Bitcoin as a tool. And, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I have hope in Bitcoin, but I have hope with Bitcoin that there is really an amazing amount of technology, humanity, improvement that could be done with greater Bitcoin adoption and understanding. So it, it does start with education. And I would say what Bitcoin Magazine Studios is working on is, yes, high quality content that is educational and it will be educational, but entertainment and kind of why I even got into film was I think this is the most powerful medium to, you bring someone in, you you give them an experience. They are kind of forgetting a little bit of all the chatter in their brain. And that's why it's very powerful for indoctrination and propaganda as well. But when you can show someone, help them kind of put on a different set of thoughts and you can do that for them, I think that is what really helps make some connections for people. And so working finally working in a, in an industry where I believe in what we're saying. And I think it's really important to continue these conversations and just continue ma- raising awareness, I think as well. And there's an incremental adjustment. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's little bit by little bit, obviously there's, there's just room for small course correction and improvements. Sometimes it will be big, I'm sure, but I will talk a little bit about our first guest. The episode tomorrow is Gigi. And if you don't know, Gigi is working on a second book. He worked on the, his first book was 21 lessons. And if you haven't read it, you should. It's also, it's very, it's very dense, but it's very digestible. It's just like very rich, really, really philosophical. And now his current second book is 21 ways. Something super amazing about Gigi is his, unless there's like some, some disclaimer, everything that he writes, he publishes under a a permissive, permissive creative commons license. So he is welcoming, you know, other translations. I think 21 ways has been translated. I think it's over a hundred languages. I honestly, I think it's something crazy high like that. But he is really, he, both through code and through words, he has really championed the free and open source software way of wanting to share everything that he is contributing to the world. And 
welcomes iterations, welcomes translations, welcomes, you know, he, he says, you know, print your own copy of 21 lessons and sell it at the corner store and, and encourages that. So there is that real collaborative nature that is really inspiring, truly inspiring. So he's a real, he's a real special guest and yes, will be pillowcase attired, but even amidst the pillowcase, I, I just watched the episode, the final yesterday and you know it doesn't even it doesn't even distract for me at least but this is I go back to saying maybe not maybe not for a normie so Spencer okay I'm taking a a breath I'm gonna drink a sip of water my fellow plebs come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023 the largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to 20th Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Any any question, any anything to kind of point me around? First of all, I thought it was really interesting hearing your background coming from more of a traditional media space and now obviously operating in the Bitcoin space. And so I'd be curious just to hear how that transformation has kind of taken place within you kind of going, you know, focusing on Bitcoin and understanding the necessity of privacy and freedom for enabling people to, you know, be themselves, like having this freedom of expression at at a fundamental level, like, has that, how long did, did that take to click for you to really see that importance? Like, obviously, there's, you know, this kind of meme of, you come for NGU and you stay for FGU, being freedom go up. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear like what that kind of experience was like for you and understanding the importance of that. Obviously, coming from the United States, it's not as evident as it might be in other places. So I think some of these ideas can be a bit nebulous for people in, in the first world. So I'd be curious like what that was like for you to come, kind of come to terms with that responsibility and kind of imperative. Yeah, I would say I was probably reaching the end of my time and ability to stay in mainstream media. And I lived in New York for 12 years and I would, I would have said that it wasn't changing me. And I truly did hold on to my beliefs. I I don't think I believed anything differently when I left than when I arrived in 2009. But I did realize that my ability to articulate what I believed in had atrophied severely. And so much so that I found myself through COVID talking to a few different people and I I could almost barely form words and, and sentences around what I truly thought. And it was almost like, I had just pushed everything so deep back because for me to have, you know, kind of built my, my successful career, I kept my mouth shut and I didn't, I didn't lie. I didn't go against what I believed in. I said no to a lot of jobs that did just 
kind of cross my moral code and things I didn't want to be a part of promoting. And for the most part, you know, I was really fortunate. I really was able to not have to do any work that that kind of caused conflict. But what I realized is that's not actually enough. I, I realized that we either are, you know, we're either telling the truth. This is, this is going to be like, this is a very hard thing to say, but we're either telling a tru- the truth or we're telling a lie. And I realized that, and I don't think all mainstream or all jobs that, you know, we're all always telling lies all the time. But I do think that the more that you can be in alignment with the people that are around you, that you're kind of going in that direction is probably a lot easier. So I was reaching, I was reaching the end with COVID because there was all this legislation that was changing and it just had become, it, it just become like, this was the end. This was the end. I either was going to bend the knee, fully conform. And, you know, whether I got vaccinated or not, I was going to have to show proof of vaccination to work in New York City. And for me, knowing that there was going to be this, you know, we're all going to look back on how did you behave in that? And and I'm not saying it was exactly the same as the, the Star of David and Holocaust. I know that parallel was drawn a lot, but like truly, hey, that's the rubber meeting the road of your daily life is being impacted by this. What are you going to do? And I reached this point, the vaccine mandate in New York City went into effect on August 17th, 2021. And as of August 17th, 2021, and a few places actually implemented it earlier, some bars and different places. But as of August 17th, you could not go into a museum, a gym, a bar, a restaurant. You couldn't go to the opera, the the library. You couldn't go anywhere without showing your proof of vaccination. And that is a fundamental freedom and right that if you take that decision-making away from someone that fundamentally, you know, hampers and impedes their freedom. So that was actually my spearhead to move to Nashville. And my plan actually, because the legislation in New York didn't go into effect for like the film industry for employees until December. So I was actually just commuting back and forth from Nashville to New York, doing a couple commercials a month, nothing crazy, and still working in the industry. But I had picked a new place to live that was freer. I wanted to have freedom. I didn't want to have to, you know, just stay inside all the time and, or, you know, walk around on the, on the sidewalk, hang out in the parks. I don't know, be a, an outcast. And I definitely experienced some really awkward times with friends out with friends. And I would sit outside. I felt like a dog. I would sit outside the bar. I could not go in. I could not use the bathroom. I could not get a glass of water. My friends could bring me a drink outside, but I literally felt as if the dog that can't come into the restaurant and they'd come visit me, check on me sometimes, but it really was that wake up call for me that I hadn't been telling the truth because I'd actually been helping 
tell lies with the the content, the media, the the shows that I was doing. And I had been in the process of, I'd been writing my own screenplay and working on doing funding and kind of figuring out if I wanted to partner with a production company or if I wanted to do it all independent. And the hard thing was I, there's an ideology in my screenplay that isn't, it's not in line with mainstream media. So I talked to a few different producers and directors that I've known for years and they basically told me there was probably no way I was going to get funding unless I changed the script, literally. And the level of censorship, the level of control, and the level of, yeah, it's a good story, but we can't make that because that's not the agenda that we we do. We don't talk about this. And actually, some of the feedback that I got from people reading, you know, in, in the screenplay writing process, you know, you kind of will have either writer's rooms or breaks and you, you get notes from different writers to, you know, help your story. I got criticized for the lack of diversity and I, it kind of just, it's like, well, this is a, a, based on a, an actual real story and this is the real, this is the real truth. And they're like, well, could you change the race of this person or could this person be this way and it was really the end it was like okay I gotta find an exit and I think what I began you know freedom money as a show it actually probably would never get made like fact because and I'm not saying that the intent is to criticize governments But the amount of powerful people that have money and influence that are connected to various governments means that it is so much of a landmine, a minefield, excuse me, to be able to find a beneficiary or an investor or, you know, a production company or or house that is not in some way owned and so the the concept of being anti-fragile, of being censorship resistant is really the most sexy thing I can truly think of because you can actually tell the truth without, not, not that you're trying to, you know, reckless abandon, you're not trying to go, you know, cause anything. You're trying to tell the truth. You're trying to actually document the story. But if there isn't, the freedom to do that without the person holding the purse strings being the puppeteer, then you are just creating the content that other, you know, it's, it's just propaganda at that point because you're being paid to make it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's super powerful and it really just makes me understand like the necessity of Bitcoin as a cultural tool. Like if we have people that have to, conform or falsify their preferences um, and are really, you know, aren't able to speak their mind, we really have this breakdown in like this collective sense making as a society. And then I think we see kind of like if if people have to toe a certain line, you see this homogenization at scale too of of the culture. And I think that's really shows like a lack of, of individuality too. And and I think something that that you spoke to as well is like you weren't when you were 
kind of in the thick of your your pre-Bitcoin media career, you you felt like you couldn't even articulate as well or as much as you would like to what you believed in. And I think that's one of the really radical things about Bitcoin is it makes you really think about, you know, now that I control my financial future and have absolute sovereignty to do so, what is it that I believe in and how can I you know, manifest that in the world? And I think that like the media piece and also just like the arts and culture side of this is going to be, I think, an, you know, an underappreciated aspect of what the higher order implications of Bitcoin are for society. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, that was super powerful coming from you just hearing like that journey of realizing, you know, you need to be able to retake ownership over your own voice. And then and I think this will also help other people do that as well. I think, you know, when people can model their behavior on others and see people like yourself putting yourself out there and and advocating for freedom, I think that's a super powerful thing and something people can identify with with emotionally as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I would say it's not really that fun to be a trailblazer or pioneer or, you know, it's, it's really not that fun because it's a lot of machete hacking in the jungle to, to get that path forward. And, you know, sometimes probably not the most efficient route. You're like, well, I guess this is the road. I guess this is how we're going to do it. But I would say, you know, I, I would go toe to toe with whoever would challenge me that media is potentially the most powerful but a very powerful tool that can be used for good or for evil. And I know, I, I don't hear this as much, maybe I'm not in the same circles. A lot of this, the original criticism when I was you know, really in Bitcoin initially was that it was kind of for illicit behavior, that it was, oh, you know, for the dark web or for you know, drugs or whatever. And I don't actually hear that I, I much more hear like how it's irresponsible use of energy or I, I don't know. I hear I hear other arguments much more than that. But the the power of the media to even control those narratives is uh, uncalculatable. But what I would I would just have to champion Bitcoin magazine for being a publication that is actually really trying to tell the truth. And that is something that's all I'll say to that that yeah, it gets you hated. And the truth, I don't know when the, how long it's been since the truth was popular, but the truth has, has been out of fashion for a hot minute. And the, the cool thing about the Bitcoin community is we're kind of all like, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all, you know, figuring out our, our own plan and our own strategy. But when you're trailblazing a new industry, you know, saying, okay, well, mainstream media and Hollywood, they have very intense gatekeeping, very intense legislation, but, but more so there's, there's just the way things are done. And that legacy mindset of this is how it's done. This is who does what there, there is a threat, obviously that anyone that's going to kind of come and do this outside the lines is it's intimidating, but Bitcoin is actually probably the only viable way forward I've ever been entertained in my in my brain or been aware of that actually 
can circumnavigate the system. And we talk a lot about, I mean, I talk a lot in my Bitcoin bubble that I, I tend to be in a lot about the broken systems, you know, the broken healthcare system, education system, the political system, the, the, the these systems have, I mean, system failure in many ways, the, the, whether it's corruption, whether it's just being broken and so far away from the original design and intent of the, the way it was set up and not performing and acting as that. But Bitcoin is actually a path forward or a tool to build a path forward that doesn't have to involve all of the same gatekeeping. So there really is a beautiful possibility with Bitcoin that, I mean, I never really saw this coming. And I definitely early in my, my Bitcoin story, I was like, yeah, I'm a pleb for life. I'll never work in, in Bitcoin. I, I like film is what I do, but I am a Bitcoiner too, you know, and to be able to cross the two and realize that this is history. Like we are in history right now. And the more that we can document what's happening and how it's going, how it's happening, how, how things are unfolding, you know, this is, we get to be historians and how cool to have a, you know, decentralized more or less history book. It's not all going to be written by the victor or the, the political agenda after the fact. Something you said, Spencer, really reminded me, I got into a debate discussion recently about the export like the large what is the largest export of America and more so not from a GDP standpoint but much more from the an ideological export and I've been really it's something I now I'm like on in my head it's just like I'm chewing on this and I I really wonder if media or kind of the belief system isn't the most powerful export that we are. Like it's, it's hard to travel anywhere in the world where you don't hear American pop music. People know, I would say a, a lot of the celebrities, a lot of the actors from America all over the world. There is, yeah, there's some food influence as well, but the real Goliath has been, you know, Hollywood. Yes, there, there's some, you know, Toronto filmmaking. There really is, you know, there's there's Bollywood. There's there's other cul-de-sacs that are making content. But as far as the reach, and I, I don't know how I would ever get the actual data on, on really what those numbers are. But the content, the whether it's YouTube, whether it's Netflix, the the amount of power that the moving image truly has, has always kept me really, I always keep an eye on what people are watching because you can fast forward a couple years, any major plot line, any major agenda, right? If you look at it, fast forward a couple years and it's, it's kind, of, kind of got adopted or incepted. And even the way, you know, if you go... I love to go conspiracy theory lane 
but I'm not going to right now. But I'm just saying there's a lot of acknowledgement of certain conspiracy theories, even in mainstream media, almost as this acknowledge to debunk, you know, this this kind of strategy that, yeah, well, that's silly. MK Ultra. Oh, wow. That would be such a funny thing that would never happen in real life. OK, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories, but I did want to say. You know, I've been thinking a lot. I used to say that the U.S. dollar was the biggest export. You know, there's so many people that come to America to work. And that's part of, you know, it's not a huge theme in this show. But remittances are such, I think, an essential part of hyper-Bitcoinization and, and widespread Bitcoin adoption. Because it would really, truly... If if all the infrastructure was built out and the rails were there, it could just unseat, I mean, MoneyGram, Western Union, you know, all of like, I think we saw the beginning and the possibility with El Salvador. But if widespread remittance technology was really, whether it was a partnership with, I, I don't know, if, if that could happen, there really would be a tipping point. And right now I would say we export, I, you know, we export the U S dollar because compared to a lot of other countries, the U S dollar is a much more stable currency. Anyway, sorry that I, I went really a lot of rants, Spencer, bring, bring, bring me in, bring, bring us back. Oh, we got Gigi. Oh, amazing. Let's all invite him on up here. Cool. Gigi just sent you an invitation, but yeah, Mills, I thought that was that was really good. And and something that kind of rolls around in my brain is this idea of like, obviously, Bitcoin is a medium of exchange It is the media through which we exchange values. And we think of like the Internet as being or, or I guess you could think of social media as being the media of ideological exchange. And it seems as though we're at this point where we're starting to decentralize that communication structure. And it's I think that's going to be such a powerful tool going forward. And I think we're already seeing that where we're seeing this kind of like top down orchestration of information dissemination being upended by this. I guess it's this move from broadcast to narrowcast media as kind of talked about in the sovereign individual, for example. But yeah, I always I think about that, too, is like the media is this like network through which we can exchange ideologies. And the more we can have people like kind of self-organize and, and really express themselves honestly, and, and, you know, true to their values, I think that's going to just be such a, an amazing, amazing and beautiful thing to see down the road, too. So yeah, I, I think about that interplay between those two different forms of, of media. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm very thankful that, that we are able to spread truth and talk about freedom and even be able to inspire and encourage. I think that's Right now in this specific time in history, I think a lot of the media is helpful to provide hope, to inspire hope, to encourage, to encourage someone, you know, yes, this is a battle. It is an uphill, upstream, whatever. It is, there's a lot of resistance, but the more that we can kind of see eye to eye with others and, you know, be encouraged that other people are out there fighting the good fight. And I would say, you know, the episodes of Freedom Money are are deeply encouraging and inspiring. And there's a there's a good conversation to continue to be continued. Gigi, welcome. I'm so glad you were able our surprise guest. Hello, hello. 
Thanks for How having are you? me. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, excited to 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 see, you know, how the conversation about freedom money evolves. I think it becomes more obvious by the minute that, you know, Bitcoin is way more than just speculation or something for tech nerds and it's it's great to to see that this this truth and this base reality is reaching a, a wider audience basically by the minute. So great job on this guys. And yeah, I, I, I think we, we will be in for a ride the next couple of years because I think it's basically Bitcoin versus the alternatives and the alternatives <laughs> are not very freedom loving. Let's, let's put it like this. Yeah, it was fun. I don't know if you've already kind of rewatched the, the episode, but I, I was, you know, I was there when we were filming it, but it has been a few months and there were a few things that you said that really hit in a different way kind of in now January 31st, 2023 versus last May. Was there anything or have you had time to to screen the the episode that kind of stood out to you as has changed? <laughs> yeah, I, I had time to 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 rewatch it. I was laughing my ass off because, of course, I for, I forgot my green suit and I was stuck in the pillowcase. So very different outfit for me this time. But you you guys will see. And yeah, I I think it's just I don't know what 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 stands out. Or in, in hindsight now, I I some some things became more clear to me in some sense, namely the the, the final settlement aspect of Bitcoin and Lightning, and the fact that it's a it's a cash bearer instrument and you don't it just does not require identity at all and this is often overlooked i mean all bitcoiners kind of know this but still it's like the alternative to electronic payments with bitcoin like if you're not sending sats you're always sending credit and for credit you need kyc because you have counterparty risk and i think that's something that a lot of people just are only beginning to start to realize now and so so for for the for the people that truly need it, they often don't have an identity. They don't have any way to get credit. And they also like they they, <laughs> they also don't have a, a a way to sign up for anything. It doesn't not matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a, an account on a centralized exchange or if it's a, like an account on Twitter. They don't have the means to do that. And so you, the, the cryptographic means of generating an identity, just like it is done with, with Bitcoin too. You know, you can literally lock yourself into the bathroom and just throw a dice, throw a dice a couple of times. And then you do some math and you, you get out with 12 words in your head. Like that's so powerful. And now we see this, you know, like this, this, the same DNA of, of the Bitcoin system being used for, you know, things like Nostra, for example, where the, the, same, the same cryptography is applied to, to like your potentially your social media identity, for example. And that's, that's super, super cool to see and it all kind of hangs together and it will be more obvious i think in the next years that they run some credit rails just requires identity period out of necessity because credit has counterparty risk and the chargebacks and so on and so yeah the, the, those people that don't want to reveal their identity or have no identity or cannot reveal their identity they they by definition, we'll have to use well the the, the freedom technology that is cryptographic identities and so on yeah. Do you feel like there's any you mentioned, I mean, the next couple of years, do you do you have any wild predictions of where this permissionless, you know, no identity requirement will disrupt a system? Have you thought about this at all? Hmm. I, I think we uh, the, the short answer is no, I, I haven't thought about the, the very, very long term implications. I, I think, you know, we see some trends 
happening now already. We are in the early innings of a certain transformation. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, a green bird like Doomberg is popular and is appearing on television as like a pseudonymous character and so on. And I, I really like to see that. I think there will be more of that going forward. And just because, uh, yeah, for personal safety and political reasons, people will not be able to use their real names, their identity, their faces, and so on. And it will be different depending on context and country and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, I think it will just be more normal to see someone like a Doomberg appear somewhere. And I think the next iteration of NIMS, they will be, they will have better tools and, you know, Doomberg, like Substack knows who Doomberg is and, <laughs> and so on. Because of the credit rails, you know, like they have to know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so I think this is, it's all going in that direction that if you, if you need to protect your identity, if you want to protect your identity, then you will have the, the tools to do so. And it will be very easy to use. And I think we can see this with Bitcoiners already that like every time I'm, I'm, I'm forced to use, you know, like legacy payment rails, I, I throw up in my mouth a little, like it's so, it's, it's so, it, it's really difficult to use. And why do you need all this information from me? And why, why do I need to do all that? And then, you know, the website refers and everything is gone for example and i don't know it's just i always lose my mind <laughs> and it's and and this will we, i i hope that we will all look look back at that in in a couple of years and just you know you know in shock and it's it's like i i can't believe how difficult it was and how how weird it was to 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 pay for stuff like this and i mean we see it we see we see how seamless it can be in, in many places where lightning is quickly becoming the default, basically, like in Costa Rica, Bitcoin jungle would be one example for, for example, where you just can do all your groceries shopping in, in lightning. And it's just like, no, no one, no one cares. It's just another payment method. And it's just, you can use your own node and it just works and everyone loves it. And you don't need, well, you don't need anything to do that. You don't even need an identity. And that's, that's, that's really cool to see. Yeah. Do you feel like from the privacy standpoint, you know, do you have any strong opinions of lightning versus on chain or just anything that isn't traditional payment rails that is KYCing you all the time? I mean, we I think everyone knows that that we still have a lot of work to do on Bitcoin and lightning on, on the privacy side. But I'm, I'm also not too worried. I mean, we we must not forget that, for example, when Internet came along, everything was completely clear text for the longest time. And it took like 30 years to implement the LN HTTPS as a default, basically. That took a very, very long time. And the way I see it is that essentially block space is very scarce. It will be used very efficient, efficiently. It is already used way more efficiently than it, than it has in the past. And you just want to basically transact the most value you can per byte on chain. And the way to do this is with batching. And so if you build neutral batching systems, and some of them are, you know, like it's, it's not difficult to... To, to see where this is going. And you basically then have what we today call large, pay, let's, let's call them large pay joints, you know, that's, that's yeah. large pay joints into channel opens and channel closes. It's where I see Bitcoin headed in the, in, the, in the longer run. And on Lightning, it's already way better than it is on chain. And a lot of very capable people are improving Lightning privacy all the time. And the beautiful thing about Lightning is is that, well, you can just go ahead and implement something better. You don't need a global consensus <laughs> for, right. for that. You know, you can just charge <laughs> ahead and just just make it better and, and it will be better. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm very optimistic in, in that regard. But of course, we're not there yet. And But it's like, just think back like six years, we're already like, we, we, we made a lot of inroads in, in the last five or six years. 
it's true. We've we've come a long way. There's a long way yet left to go. And I think it's good every once in a while. I feel like, you know, it's climbing a mountain. You just take a break, have a sip of water, then keep going. And I think there is there is a lot that has been put in place. Even in the past year, I've, I've been doing a lot of review or, or research of what 2022 as a year meant for Bitcoin in, in lightning and mining and, you know, core, what, what, as a historian, as, as, you know, like we're in, we're in the middle of history. What were the things in the time capsule from this year? If we were to, you know, dig it up in 20, 30 years, what did 2022 specifically as a year mean for Bitcoin? And there's, there's so much that is happening consistently, which is incredibly exciting. Some of the change feels slow and incremental, but I think we are actually, we're on, on the road. I feel hopeful. And I, I, I love, truly am thankful for your partnership and, and both being in this episode and, and being here today, but all that you're doing and contributing to the conversation to help, you know, pro- help people really in, invite their minds to be a part of this, that there's philosophy, there's, there's meaning, there's purpose, that there's, you don't have to go so deep, you can use it as a tool, but you do provide kind of that richer material I, I before you joined I was talking about 21 lessons and do you want to kind of close us out we're coming up on our, our hour mark but close us out talking about 21 ways and update status any anything on that I'm very excited personally yeah thanks for all the kind words so yeah I I always knew that I kind of had to, I, I still had one or two things to write after 21 lessons and I, 21 lessons I really wrote on the side as like, you know, I always joke, it's basically a long tweet thread. And yeah, some some of you guys probably know Bitcoin is Time, which is one chapter of, of the new book. And so I hope to, yeah, be able to look at Bitcoin in 21 different ways. So this is where the title comes from. And yeah, one of them that's, that's already published is uh, the aspect of creating a a digital arrow of time in cyberspace that you can trust, which is a very, very hard problem just because of relativistic effects alone. Like if you have a decentralized network, there is no single source of truth that will tell you what events happen in what order. Like A before B is as true as B before A. And so it's a really difficult problem and Bitcoin solves it. And so that's just one, one aspect. And there's many other lenses that you can view Bitcoin through. And of course, in, in your series, it's the, the lens of freedom, you know, and the lens of, of, of resistance in, in the sense of, you know, resisting tyranny and so on. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still working on, uh, on the book, but I just, I have the habit of involving myself into too many projects. So the progress <laughs> is slower than I would like it to be. But yeah, you can see, I, I, I think I managed to publish four or five chapters now out of the 21. So not exactly halfway there, but uh, but I, I I have a like a lot of the chapters are like 80% done. So I hope to publish some more yeah in the next couple of weeks or months. And yeah, I, I my goal is really to, to, to get it done sooner than later because I think that it will be important and that conversation will happen at a pace where I have to get it done rather soon, I think. Well, <laughs> yeah, be but- you're going to have a lot more accountability after tomorrow. You definitely talk about the book and, and not to call you out, but we filmed this in May and yeah, not, yeah, that, yeah. not that you're twiddling your thumbs, Gigi, but come on. 
yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I also feel bad, but but yeah, I I will I will like if if stuff is good enough to publish, I, I will publish it in chunks, and then people can can read it for free online. And I'll yeah. in the end there will there will be a book at some point in time. I'm I'm not too worried about it. But there's just I'm so sure. much so so much other stuff, other exciting stuff happening as well. It's 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 hard to concentrate purely on one thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, I I I only maybe you know people will be encouraging you after watching the episode tomorrow they'll they'll hear the shill and they'll be like we're ready for the book Gigi it'll be it'll be some some new fuel for your fire not that you you're uh, apathetic but you know maybe some more wind awesome awesome back. awesome yeah yeah I can I I, I will take the encouragement <laughs> yeah well I'm excited for tomorrow I think you know you really outlined a very good freedom kind of cursory it, it is our opening episode noon Tomorrow, it'll go on our, our YouTube, on Bitcoin Magazine YouTube. You can subscribe. There is a channel that or a playlist that is Bitcoin Magazine Studios that will have all the episodes as they continue coming out each Wednesday, 12 noon central. And yeah, I mean, we've kind of touched a little bit that it was filmed in May at the Oslo Freedom Forum put on by the Human Rights Foundation. And if you haven't watched the trailer already, it's pinned up in the nest, couple minute sneak peek into some of the faces that you're going to be seeing. And yeah, one last thank you to the sponsor, the Bitcoin magazine studios sponsored by, it seems very redundant, but here we go. The Bitcoin conference with a 21% audio only share discount for tickets. So if you have not bought a ticket, I happen to know this is the best deal and I will, it will get deactivated if people post it and in print, sadly, but it is freedom as, as you'd think. And then a dollar sign money, freedom money. So I thank you all for joining. Thanks for all of this. I'll, I'll close this out with, with an Odell quote, cause he can't be with us in, in voice. And then Gigi, if you want to, you know, leave us with something to ponder, no pressure, you've got two seconds or you can yeah. just say ditto Let's, I, i'm gonna give you that all right i'll read the quote and then or i'll say the quote then you can kind of just echo you can't have freedom without privacy you can't have wealth without freedom awesome and i'll add to that stay humble stacks that's close out <laughs> with an odell quote once more perfect perfect <laughs> thanks Gigi. love you much thanks all for joining thank you thanks for having me thank you everyone have a great day My fellow plebs, come celebrate Bitcoin winner in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Magazine time, y'all. Bitcoin is for everyone, lefties, righties, and the rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin magazine print edition is called the Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naib Bukele, Jeff Dice, Natalie Smolinski, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy from the local Barnes & Noble bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLive to get 10% off your annual subscription today.
plebs. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Thank you.